0: Uh, Your audience knows what ROI is, right? So at Rich20, we are focused on ROT, which is not a standard terminology. Um, We are focused on return on your 20s.
1: Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. Today we have Daniel DiPiazza, who's the founder of Rich 20-something, which is a platform that provides you the tools and mindset to radically improve your career and life in the 21st century, which I'm also going to let Daniel talk about in a little bit. Uh, But Daniel, first and foremost, how's it going?
0: Hey, man, it's going well. Thank you. That was a good introduction. I was like, that was one of the better introductions I've had. I've had some weird ones recently. Oh, yeah. It's
1: just like when they actually don't even know who you are and they haven't done any <laughs> studying. That's, that's like the worst. I've, I've, I've experienced that a shitload. But uh, anyway, why don't you tell us a little bit first and foremost about, I guess, who you are and kind of what you do. I
0: will answer your question with a question, sir.
1: Okay. Uh, your audience
0: knows what ROI is, right? So at Rich20, we are focused on ROT which is not a standard term, terminology. Um, we are focused on return on your 20s. So what we do at Rich 20-something is we look at this decade between 18 and, I mean, I'm playing around with numbers here. I'm fudging it a bit, but it's like 18 to like early 30s. But that that decade in there where you normally would kind of be taking a break, having fun, um, kind of like living your life and letting it see where it's going to take you. And we're, we're, late, we're taking that 10-year decade, the 10-year period, and we're saying, look, this is a period where you have a big opportunity to get a big return on your investment. and if you invest the time into building the business, if you invest the time into improving your relationships, if you invest the time in improving your mindset and even your, your physical um, your physical body, then you're going to reap big rewards in your 30s, 40s, 50s beyond. And so we know that this is a critical period and all the work that we do focuses on improving this very you know very important period of, of life that everyone has to go through, but most people don't know how to handle.
1: Got it. And why is this important to you? What's the story behind it? Well, I think it's important to me just because it was something that I
0: had to figure out by myself. And when I was when I was working a bunch of different jobs, I you know look, I felt like I had two two options leaving school. I graduated school early, graduated college early, and I felt like I had two options. One was more school, which is a safe, predictable option, but there was nothing in my line of sight that seemed attractive enough to spend another X thousands of dollars to get another degree. And then at the same time, there's corporate. And that didn't really seem happy to me. I looked at a lot of my friends who were doing investment banking or just different areas of corporate, and it just was not appealing to me. So I was left with these middle of the road things. I worked, and I worked everywhere. I worked at, I worked at restaurants, I worked at uh, a museum gift shop, I worked at UPS with a little brown short shorts. Um, I did it all. And one thing I found was that when I was trying to improve myself, I had to go to all these different resources to figure out what to do with my time and how to effectively use it. So Rich 20 became the culmination of my own efforts to figure out what I should be doing during this critical tenure period and how to get there. And so that's what we made.
1: Got it. Okay. Yeah, can you talk a little more about the business today in terms of, uh, I guess, you know, revenues? How are you guys doing today? We're doing well. Uh, We
0: just hit seven figures, which is nice. So we just crossed that that, that milestone, I guess it is. And we have a couple different components to how we make money. So the first is B2C side. So basically creating... Products, services, and courses for young people who want to figure out how to level up their skills. So, whether it's free, starting a freelance side business and scaling up, leaving your job, or learning how to create content that gets eyeballs, or learning how to get your work featured in bigger publications, or learning how to become more productive. Like these are all career based skills that are slightly off the beaten path, and we teach those. And then we also have a B2B side where we work with um, high level clients, influencers, um, athletes, entertainers um different types of people who are who are notable in their field to create um, digital merchandise the company's called digital merch and um and so what we do is we package influencers and create um, digital products for them to help basically bridge the gap between them and their audience and so those are the two sides of the business
1: Got it and what's uh so which one's bigger right now Rich well i mean they're, they're kind of all under the corporate umbrella of
0: Rich 20 and right now most of our revenue is uh, being driven from our courses, but we're quickly going to surpass that.
1: Got it. Okay, great. You know, you know what's interesting? There's a lot of people doing um, courses nowadays, and there's a lot of great stuff out there, but there's also a lot of junk too. So um, it's interesting because one one friend that I know, he does like six million dollars a year on on courses. But the interesting part is it's it's doing a lot for him. But you know, he he's actually trying to get out of it because he doesn't feel good about it. I mean, what you know, what's what's your feedback around kind of you know courses in general right now? Are you guys? kind of going to move away from that or are you guys going to do more of it i'm just trying to get a good idea of you know because you guys do a lot
0: that's a great question man I, you know what this will be the first time i talk about this on air um blood in the water look uh here's the thing courses sell because there there's a relatively low barrier to entry low barrier to entry to finding your customers low barrier to entry to getting started and then there's also going to be a lot of competition as you move up the ranks like what we're finding now is that the course business or the online course business is doing really well, but you have to be really competitive in order to like get noticed. You have to spend a lot of money on ads. You have to kind of like, you can definitely do it, but it takes um, a good amount of focus and intentionality and you have to really want to build a business around courses. What we found is that we enjoy that area of our business, but we're also very, very attracted and fascinated by the media side. And so because of, it's kind of like piggybacking because of the credibility and the notoriety we've built with our online platform selling courses, now we have the opportunity to work with other influencers. And I'm really starting to enjoy that. So I mean, maybe come back in six months and ask me where I see the, the big bulk of the business coming from, but I do understand what you're saying. And I think there is blood in the water with courses. And what I what I'd encourage people to do is there's nothing wrong with creating courses or digital products, but what you should do is you should look to different areas and different industries that are underserved and go there because there are, like in terms of the entrepreneurship space, I think that there are enough people teaching how to start a business. And that's not that's not something that's a secret piece of knowledge at this point. But there are probably other opportunities in, in industries where the the market is not so saturated, where you can get a really good foothold and maybe be the only one there. You know?
1: Yeah, I, I think the underserved point is, is is that definitely works. And I, I think uh, so. What happened earlier today was I actually was talking to somebody that he also does courses too for his business, but he also has a services site. And what he said was. You know, I, I guess going back to my online education days too. You know, I know that two percent, only two percent of people are, are actually going to get through courses. Um, and this is a number from Skillshare, I think. And so the reality is, I mean, you know, most people aren't finishing it. So what he does is uh, he might charge, you know, two hundred ninety nine bucks or something like that per month, and he, this is an all access pass. And uh, you're gonna get access to the, you know, um, basically two two live trainings each month, and it's on you know new stuff. Could be around marketing, could be around conversion optimization, whatever it is. And he actually has paying clients, and he finds that actually people actually get through the course that way. So I think whether it's serving an underserved uh, niche or putting a different spin on it, um, that could potentially work out, right?
0: Yeah, I'm with you, man. I mean, it's not. It's, it's less about it's less about the the content and more about the modality and the way that you're presenting it Who you're presenting it to and how you're using it like that's that's the thing too with the way that the internet man Like the internet is just it's it's evolving so quickly now because we started making courses back in 2014 and you and I both know that 2014 even though it was only three years ago was like a was light and day in terms of What's happening on social media now how much saturation there is how many people are out there and so We've had to adjust and reposition several times as we've scaled up to in order to just keep pace with, you know, the changing market. And so, yeah, you got to always look for new opportunities and you can still teach courses. You can't go online and just copy someone else and do what they're doing. It's kind of like when you when you Xerox copy something that's already been copied, it gets blurrier and blurrier every time until you can't read it. Um, so, you know, you have to, you have to just look for those, those new areas to serve, man.
1: Right. Totally. And so I want to talk about growth for a second. I mean, you guys have, you know, about what, I think it's over 250 K Instagram followers now. Is that about right?
0: Yeah. Well, I think we're at like a 235, but yeah, we can round up.
1: Okay, cool. So yeah, it seems like you have a really engaged audience too. So I guess, you know, what does Instagram mean to your business? What has it done for your business so far?
0: Man, it's, you know what? The thing about Instagram is it's a love, 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 hate. It's like two thirds love and one third hate. Here are the two thirds love. The two third, the the first third is without Instagram, our business definitely one hundred percent would not be where it is right now because uh, we, and it was just me at the time. I hit on Instagram in March two thousand fifteen when there was this like, I'd say that it was still, it was still, it was still working before that, but there was this like meteoric surge in popularity at that time and i kind of caught on to that wave and what ended up happening was um it because i already was selling courses and i was already i was already basically building educational content i was able to use some of the money that i made cuz what i would do is i would um i would post on instagram i'd like i'd find the best practices i'd find out what type of post worked what type of content worked i would eventually get more and more followers and as i was doing that i would use my courses and I would, I would find people in my Instagram audience who, would, who wanted to buy my, buy my courses. And I would get them to the opt in. They would sign up. They'd buy the course. I'd take the money from that opt in or from that, that sale. I'd reinvest it back in Instagram by getting influencers to shout me out. And I kind of just built it off the back of the courses I already had running. Um, and this was a really good time for that because organic reach was super, super high. And it still is, but it was really high then. Um, and I kind of just built it brick by brick using the tools I already had. Now that model works just not as well because it's so saturated with other accounts. So, like, I I credit and appreciate Instagram for really helping us grow because we built our email list up really, really big that way. We went from when I first started Instagram, we went from maybe 7,000 email subscribers to now we're over 150,000, 152,000. So, we built up the email list. We also gained a lot of popularity and and notoriety. This is the second, third, like, becoming an influencer in the space has been really, really helpful. Um, It's allowed, it's opened up doors for me that I didn't think that were even there to give me opportunities that I had, you know, no idea I was going to be able to have. Uh, but then there's the other side too. And this is the, the last third. It's kind of like, man, it, the thing about Instagram and really all social media is that there's this perception on the viewer side that what we're doing is leisurely and we're like showing our life and it's fun and we're providing content and all that's great. But it's a lot of work, man. Like it's, I know this is such a first world problem, but it's just a lot of work because, if you really want your Instagram to work, you, yes, you could automate it or you could hire someone to just do it for you, but it doesn't work that well if, if you, if you just outsource it. So you really have to be on there. You have to be talking to people. You really have to like make it part of your life. And sometimes that can get really exhausting because it's, it's like, it's, it's, uh, there's some cognitive, uh, like drain on that. There's some intellectual strain on always being connected to, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and having to respond. And I'm, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that. For the most part, I respond to all comments. I dive in those DMs, and those have helped our business uh, considerably, but it also is a drain.
1: Got it. So when you, I, I mean, when you, I guess, let, let me change it to something that might be helpful to the audience. I mean, if, you know, people in the audience, they're trying to build up their uh, their Instagram following, they're trying to become influencers. I mean, what would you recommend that they do? So what the, the big thing, I think, is, you know, obviously having them manage it themselves, right? What else do you think kind of led to to, to where you are now with Instagram?
0: Yeah, I mean, the number one thing is engagement. But I... I would say, like, look, here, here's what I'll say. The meta message about Instagram is watching the trends is what's important. So, you, yes, you can still blow up your Instagram now by, like, posting really, really great content. So, for instance, if you're already a celebrity, it's obviously much easier. If you have a specific talent, like you are a performer or you take really good photographers, it's going to be easier. Um, If you have a specific like niche that's pretty, that's again, underserved and there's not going to be a lot of people doing posting the type of stuff you're posting, it's going to be easier. But if you're just posting motivational content and you're reposting images that someone else with a bigger account posted, it's not going to do as well. You have to be – now is not the time to be reposting images all the time. You can do that occasionally. But if you look on my account now, I stopped reposting images. I only do two types of things. I do original videos um, that I make in-house. People say, what app do you use to make those videos? I use Final Cut Pro. That means we have to actually make them on a computer and export them. And they're all, you know, we we do a really good job of making those. Or I do my own quotes and I make up my own things, so they can't be copied. I'm not copying from anyone else's else's page. These are the types of things we have to do now. So one original content, but also, I think that really, again, the meta message about Instagram is riding the trends. Like you can still do well, but I would start looking for other things that are also popping off right now and starting to analyze which things seem to have a good chance of being able to, of you being able to ride them to whatever, whatever your destination is. So for instance, now we see that in 2016, live streaming became widely available, I'd say pretty much globally available. Um, and this was something that in 2015, uh, I was talking to the Instagram community, like a lot of the influencers in that space. And we were at a meeting in Vegas and it was like a, um, like a little insider meeting. And we all agreed that live streaming was the next big thing. And within a few months, Periscope was like the hot topic. And then in 2016, Facebook Live came along. And then Instagram Live came along later in 17. And since then, you, we can now see live streaming is starting to become the new thing. So maybe it's time to, instead of just focusing on posting great content or great pictures, thinking about how you can make a really interesting live stream experience for your audience. And that's how you can ride the next wave rather than trying to just ride the coattails of a wave that might be might have already peaked.
1: Right. You know, it's interesting. I mean, uh, I I had uh, Nathan Chan from Founder Magazine, I think it was maybe a year or two ago. And at the time, I think he had maybe three or 400,000 IG followers. And now I think it's well over a million. So I asked him what his secrets were. And he said, you know, uh, you know, doing paid shouts, kind of reaching out to people getting, you know, reposting each other's content. Uh, that works and then you know he did a lot of uh back in the day you, you could use a uh, crowd i think it's called crowdfire or maybe it was, mm-hmm. I think it was CrowdFire, crowdfire yeah. but you unfollow and follow right so what's your take on you know, i guess you know page shouts and kind of you know those these these follow unfollow tools now
0: page shouts are the best page shouts are great like i said that's that's one of the ways that we built the account i probably invested um about thirty thousand dollars into growing the account in the first mm, six to nine months which ha- uh, it's hard to track or, or like exactly ROI because it's not as the metrics aren't as reliable as if you if I were to put the money into Facebook ads which Instagram ads came later but what I can tell you is that within the first year we hit a hundred thousand followers um, and which is pretty good and um, and I know that after a certain amount of time it go it like organically grows because there's enough traction but I was growing quickly because I was getting big accounts to shout me out and I was doing that because I had a funnel where my courses were being sold and I was reinvesting that money but I mean, I think now, like, paid shouts are a great way to grow, but not everyone has the funnels or the money or whatever. And so, again, like, I think that if you don't have a lot of money to invest, you have to find a really unique angle. It's kind of like podcasting now. It's like, if you're not, why start another business podcast? I mean, yes, you could just because you love it and you want to talk to people, but if you want to perhaps reach the top of the iTunes charts, you should start something that was that's completely like a completely offbeat angle because then you're going to be the only source that people are going to be able to go to for that information. If there are a hundred other podcasts, a hundred other Instagram accounts, all doing, the same account, all doing the same content as yours, it's going to be hard. So you got to find a way to stand out.
1: hundred percent agree with that. And, and so, I mean, to, to give everyone a comparison here, I mean, this podcast, I've been doing it for about, I think, three and a half years now. And, you know, it, it does okay, about 100,000 uh, downloads a month. But then the other podcast I do with uh, with my co-host, Neil, uh, we're at about 570,000 downloads uh, a month. And, you know, it, we started in August of, of, of 2016. And mm-hmm. it's all, it, you know, going back to your point earlier, it's a, it's about having a nice little unique spin on it, right? Uh, or you could do things a little differently, right? You can do a different topic or do a unique spin. Uh, for us, it's just, it's every single day, right? And you get two people that, you know, are operating two different businesses talking about marketing the whole time. Um, and it's only five to 10 minutes. So like that, you know, I we get so many comments around that because it's like people like yeah I don't have time to listen to another interview podcast blah 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 so um, to your point I mean 100 percent agree just want to give people an example
0: yeah it's totally true man and I also like the idea of like those the mini podcasts I don't know if you know do you know Jim Quick yeah he does that too now with his podcast where it's just like it's like it's like 10 to 15 minutes on just how to get smarter how to how to read faster how to get more productive I like that stuff because although I like I like making podcasts because I have a podcast too I don't listen to them as much as I like making them you know.
1: Right. Totally. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, for those of you looking to start a, start a podcast, I would say, you know, if you're trying to do like an interview podcast kind of thing, it's like, what's your unique spin on it? Right. So, you know, Daniel can talk about kind of his, his unique perspective, uh, you know, in that, in that, you know, that lost decade. Right. Um, or for me, I can just nerd out on marketing all day. So it's just what unique spin do you have on it? And then take advantage of that because, you know, for every, uh, I mean, there's so many, you know, Andrew Warner's and, uh, John Lee Dumas is out there. You know, you have to think about how you can separate yourself. But anyway, um, so you know, you 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 you've made Instagram work well for you. Um, you know, you have your email list as well. Um, you know, why? I guess I want to talk about your funnel really quick. So you talk about your funnel. Can you explain what that looks like through Instagram so people understand what that journey um, looks like? Yeah, I mean, I, I think right now, like if you were to go to my Instagram profile at
0: rich twenty something right now, uh, you probably wouldn't see as much of the stuff we were using back in the day to to grow it because we, we use that since it's grown pretty well. Now we use it as a tool as like our front end marketing piece on social media where we can just put up whatever we're currently promoting. So right now, if you look at it, it's different things. It's either straight to the book or it's, we, I just put out a mixtape last week, which is doing really well. And is a lot of fun and, and funnels to that. But strategically what we've done in the past, um, to funnel people in, and this is the method that we use to start making money with, um, with, with the, with the, with Instagram account and then funnel back in was we would just essentially have a link to one of a few free opt-ins. One would be a, um, like a quick start guide on how to freelance online. Uh, so it could be something. So at the time it was referring to Elance, but Elance is now Upwork. So it was like a quick start guide on that, or it could be a, a seven day mini course. So I have a seven day mini series on how to find a profitable idea and we made landing pages for those using ClickFunnels. Um, super simple. Took about 20 or 30 minutes total to get all those done. Um, and then we basically linked them to our autoresponder in InfusionSoft. And on the, and they really end up doing both the same thing. Um, both both lead magnets linked to a seven day. Um, like a, like a mini course, essentially. And each day, I give you a few little pieces of, uh, of information, some quick little lessons, some takeaways, and then some really good video content, too. And we even have a whole – what we call the secret side where it's just like – it's something dot com, where people are kind of um, ushered into this secret portal. And it, basically what it is is it's like this collection of some of my best-performing blog posts. Um, some like really interesting videos, some cool downloads. So they feel like they're getting a, a real course for free because there's a lot of really good information that's set up as if it's a private membership only site. And so they're directed to this side of the website that most people don't know about. They're getting these daily emails about how to start a side business, how to come up with good ideas. And this really works well. Again, targeting is really important as a marketer. So this works well for the audience that is uh, attracted by Instagram because a lot of people are beginners. And so we, we introduce ourselves, we build up trust. We show them that our content's legit. And then after that seven days, we have a seven-day sales sequence. And it's not its not even too hard of a sell. It's mostly just, hey, listen, you've been here for the past seven days. Um, you know what we can do for free. Imagine what we could do if we worked together in a paid capacity. And there's there are links to our sales pages. We do live webinars. We'll do follow-ups. And over time, that created enough money for us to just keep funneling back into the
1: course. Great, awesome. So. I mean, the, the other side of things, I mean, uh, what I'm thinking about, it sounds like you're creating a lot of content all the time, just so people understand. I mean, how many hours do you think you're spending on creating content every single week?
0: Uh, well, it depends. Um, I, me personally or the company? You personally. Well, me personally right now, I would say I'm in probably one of the lower creation stages of my life. So it's gone in, it's gone in an arc, right? Kind of like in a, in a, um, in a wave. So throughout last year, I was creating a lot because I had to finish with the, I had to finish with the book, okay, which is you know like maybe two hundred and twenty pages on paper. I don't know what is it like two seventy eight let me look I have the book right here it's uh, it's uh two seventy eight two hundred seventy eight pages on paper, which is like seventy thousand words and then I did last year, I had a really good um like a really good sprint where I did ninety days of straight writing and publishing, interspersed with regular blog posts. Uh, that year. And then I also produced a whole, like an album of music. And I did a bunch of different stuff. So I was creating every day and I was probably spending at least, woof, man, at least three hours on it every day. So, you know, it was a part-time job. But then now, because I've created all that content, and this is something to keep in mind, um, because I've created all that content, I've spent most of this year, pretty much all this year, just repurposing, um, editing, rearranging and promoting that content because I promoted it last year, like I'd put it out, but not all of it saw the right kind of the light of day in the way that it, it deserves to see it. So when you have a large backlog of content, you can spend long periods of time writing, producing, creating, and then you can spend another long period of time just promoting. And so honestly, it's it's April when we're recording this, uh, no matter when you listen to it. And so for the past four months, I don't think I've written anything new. Like I had to write a, um, an intro to a blog post today because we're promoting the book. And I had to I actually, had to, it was actually for founder. So it was for Nathan. And I had to write a piece of the blog post that that well, that I wanted to give him. And I'm like, man, I haven't written anything in a few months, even though I just wrote a whole book. So I think it goes in waves. Right. Okay. And so talk about the book a little bit. What what, what is the book? Oh, the book is a journey, man. Um, The interesting thing about the book, and it's called Rich 20-something, but the interesting thing about the book is that it's kind of like it's half autobiographical, half tactical or half strategic. Um, And that's what makes it so real. A lot of the books that you'll read on business, or especially from, uh, from you know, this, for this demographic for millennials, for, for young people in their 20s and 30s trying to figure things out, a lot of them are very much watered down, kind of regurgitated advice. And, and some of it's really good advice. But what happens is there's a disconnect because when you read books that have advice, that have that that the same advice you've read before, it's easy to roll your eyes and it's easy to say, oh, I've heard that. And, and once someone says that, they check out mentally and they don't want even if it's good information, they don't receive it. Kind of like if you're, you know, have you ever talked to your parents and they tell you something that you already know and you should be doing it, but you just don't all the time. Pretty much everything they say. Um, so this book frames the the ideas that have really worked for us with our business in the context of what actually happened in my life to get me to that point of understanding that. And I think when people can understand kind of the journey that I've had to go through since 2012, building multiple different businesses up from SAT test prep tutoring to consulting to doing web development to starting this content platform when they see the actual journey rather than just hearing about the highlights when they see the lowlights too they're going to understand why this stuff is so important and it's going to stick a lot more and that's what makes this book stand out
1: love it okay cool well we're, we're gonna have to drop a link to that that book in the show notes when is that book supposed to come out again comes out may 2nd 2017 but you can pre-order it right now or if it's already passed in may you can order it rich com slash book Love it. Awesome. Well, besides your book, what's one book you'd recommend to everyone?
0: Uh, one book I would recommend to everyone. It Depends on do you want how do you want to go spiritual? Do you want to go business? Do you the want the first one to that go?
1: comes to mind or the best <laughs> one you can remember?
0: All right. I'll, I'll say I'll say I'll say Untethered Soul. Uh, it's called Untethered Soul it's by Michael Singer. Uh, this is a, this guy is actually a, he's a G. He started a um, a software company that was that, that was valued at a couple billion dollars. And then at some point, he got um, indicted by the government and in trouble with the FBI for like some crimes he didn't commit. And the book is a recollection of all the mental processes that were going on with him while he was in this period of really high stress and anxiety. And he made it into this like really interesting self-help manual that allows you to detach from a lot of the anxieties of modern day world. It's a super short read, but it's very powerful.
1: Great. Awesome. Well, I mean, you know, we're definitely going to link to the book in the show notes. But Daniel, what's the best way for our people to find you online?
0: Uh if you go to any social media platform, first you're going to type in that at symbol, then you just type in rich twenty two zero rich twenty something,
1: and you'll find me. I'm on all of them. Awesome, Daniel. This has been great. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, man.